Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends with horror host Travis. Uh, joining me today is producer Kate, as always. Hello, hello. And my wife, Sarah Rose Hagen. Hey. So, Sarah Rose, it's been since, what, episode two or three since we've had you on? I did Jacob's Ladder. I'm Jacob's Ladder. Sure what episode yeah, that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I horrified you a couple weeks ago. But the last time that we've actually horrified you has been, what, since Suspiria? Number two, right? No, Jacob's Ladder. Well, we, we kind of count. like all... We, yeah, we all watched that for the first time. That doesn't count. Yeah, if you remember. Ow. Yeah, because I hadn't seen that either. Well, then, yeah, I guess Suspiria. So, when it, yeah, we, we were like, we got to have Rose back on like pretty soon, obviously, because you're my wife and you live with me. And also because, you know, you enjoy doing this. You enjoy the, uh, the sitting down and being horrified. Always, <laughs> since 2007. So, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? Lately, I've been trying to research some new things that I can horrify you with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also was getting updated on what Kevin Bacon's been doing. Cause that's my thing. <laughs> and so I watched, you should have left. Okay. And which you refused to watch with One me that multiple I had, times. Cause yeah, you weren't have, in the mood. I have not seen it. So yet. I just went ahead and watched it without you. Blumhouse movie, newer movie, right? Yeah. And yeah. I liked it. It was a whole vibe. It, was kind of freaky and it made me think but it also it wasn't terribly scary so i would highly recommend it i think jess would really like it so jess if you're listening i think you should check that one out it's one of those where like he's in the house and the house is changing and stuff right yeah i I don't want to say too much though i don't want to let anybody in on on what's going on i don't think it's i think kate would have it figured out in about 10 minutes because that's how she'd be (laughs) but uh i really enjoyed it Mm-hmm. I, it was a good little spooky flick. Yeah, I remember somebody saying that it was kind of like House of Leaves, like the novel House of Leaves by N- Mark Dinshinowitz or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, I haven't read it. So Yeah. But I also watched with Katie Kerr, um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, because we were wondering if we should try to uh, do some research on that and see if we could horrify you. But I got to say, it uh, was a letdown for me. So I think the so. the movie that you guys decided upon is uh, Frailty, right? Yeah. With yeah, because that's McConaughey. that's one of my blind spots as well. I'm always like uh, annoyed by these horror guys that can't admit when they've seen when they haven't seen something. But yeah, Frailty is like one of those where I just never got around to seeing it. What is it? the shit? Is it the ghost again? <laughs> Rose is like trying to contact the dead before we start. <laughs> <laughs> what is this called, Kate? I don't know what this thing is. So I got this little mat when I went to Salem, Massachusetts with my mom. Um, We went on a little history tour and toured the town and everything. And I got this little mat and it's got... It's like a pendant over a star. A witchy star star in the middle and you use a pendant and it has yes, no, maybe and all that stuff. Well, it's a red jasper crystal. Right. And it's got a point and you hold it and see which direction it goes. Is it going to answer your question? Yes, no, maybe or... 
I don't know, summon a demon. It's <laughs> either I'm I'm doing it right now. That's why I'm like all quiet. But either I'm really shaky and I don't see my hand doing it, but it it was shaking a lot earlier. It I'm freaked not, me out because I was just playing with it and I was like, whoa. I'm mad one of the an- <laughs> the options on that board is will not answer. It's like, that's kind of sassy for a ghost. It's like, just answer my fucking questions. That's, if your brother Donnie was a ghost, that would be him. He would just be like, will not answer. Which, to troll. It, what's funny is that in this movie, there's actually like a weird scene where he goes to unexplained really he goes to a, a sightseer or something and she makes him put his hand in a box and shit that's true <laughs> we'll get into that but you so, gotta tell people what okay we so about this here. movie is phantasm from 1979 and this was a series that i've been wanting to get into for quite some time one of the untouched we haven't gotten into halloween we haven't gotten into friday the 13th we haven't gotten into phantasm but this is the first entry of course a synopsis, a teenage boy and his friends face off against a mysterious grave robber known only as the tall man who keeps a lethal arsenal of terrible weapons with him, which I actually thought was like kind of a weird synopsis for the movie because it's like there's it's so much fucking more than that. Yeah, I agree. Um, directed well, look, by. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, it doesn't have like a real plot. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least you don't find out what the plot actually is for a really long time. Yeah, the plot is deep for we'll for sure. Uh directed by Don Cuscarelli, uh best known for the Phantasm series but also directed Beastmaster, John Dies at the adaptation of John Dies at the End, and then Bubba Hotep and a fantastic episode of Masters of Horror titled Incident on and Off a Mountain Road, both of with both of which were based on Joe's Lansdale. Joe Lansdale works. Uh, Joe Lansdale's a writer that you guys need to check out if you haven't checked him out. Written by Don Cascarelli, starring Michael Baldwin as Mike, Bill Thornbury as Jody, Reggie Bannister as the ice cream man named Reggie, uh, Angus Grimm as the tall man, of course, and with the score by Fred Myro and Malcolm Seagrave. The theme of this film, the score, blew me away uh, and remains one of my favorite horror themes to this day after first watching it. Uh, the sleepy, haunting tones of it chills you to the bone and is perfect for the Halloween season. Like, that's. That. I thought that it, like, as the score was playing, I think I asked Travis, I was like, wait, who did this? Because it reminded me of a little bit of Dario Argento and John Carpenter, like, mm-hmm. mixed, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Big time Suspiria kind of influence, Goblin. Yeah, John Carpenter. Uh, one of the reasons I chose to cover this film is. That my buddy Michael Camus, uh, Michael, if you're listening, thank you for doing this, posted his vinyl of the score. Um, I can't remember the company right now. Waxwork Records, I think, released like a beautiful looking vinyl of this original score. And I thought, you know, what a wonderful time to get into the series and introduce some people that I love into this weird, weird series. The score was done by Fred Myro, as I mentioned. His previous work includes the score for Soliant Green, our soul went green and is up there with some of the best themes of the seventies. In my opinion, like the exorcist and Halloween, it's influence is still felt today. And for the Joshua Heaths of the world, the band entombed covered the phantasm theme on their album, left hand path. My connection to this film, phantasm is a weird series, not bad, but we not in a bad weird, but in a weird in all the best ways. In my opinion, it doesn't get caught up in taking itself too overly serious, but I'm sure we'll take, We'll talk about that. That doesn't mean there aren't some terrifying parts in in this. There definitely is. But there are some fantasy elements, sci-fi elements, and world building that is so imaginative that it has to be respected to this day. 
Uh, I was late to the party with this one, but I remember picking up the first one in one of those like Walmart $5 bins and it blew me away. But as I got into that movie, I realized that I had, I was remembering stuff from growing up, particularly the third one. And if Bub's listening to this, he can chime in in the comments on this episode post. But I remember stuff about the third movie and how they're, uh, this razor blade and stuff like that is shooting out razor blades and shit like that. Like a lot of shit just came back to me about this series. Uh, I love this series. Have you seen the fourth one that was in 2016? Uh, the fifth, that's actually the fifth one. The fifth one. That's or Phantasm Ravenger. Yeah. I'll get into that. So fast facts directed by the famous indie filmmaker, Don Coscarelli. Don is famous for being the indie guy, quote unquote, in a filmmaker's filmmaker, similar to kind of George A. Romero, like filmmakers love him. The film is partly influenced by Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes, as well as a few films before it, namely Suspiria and some other Italian stuff like Mario Bava, Argento, like Rose said, uh, Suspiria. But the story mostly comes from a dream that Coscarelli had as a teen. In the dream, he was was in a marble-like hall that would probably be found in a real mausoleum, and he was being chased by a, like, giant orbs like these big, like spherical orbs, introduces the tall man and the spheres and everything that comes with this weird series. The tall man is a huge character in horror. A step-down horror icon from your Freddy's, Michael's, and Leatherfaces, but still very recognizable and iconic. Uh, Angus Grimm, who plays the tall man, is a horror icon. And this was his role, and he's iconic for the lines, Boy, and the funeral is about to begin, sir. You know, some other lines. J.J. Abrams is actually a huge fan of this series and helped restore the classic to bring it to the best it's ever looked on the big screens and on Blu-ray. During the release of Phantasm Ravenger, as Rose mentioned earlier, they actually re-released the film in theaters, and that's what's setting right before you're here. J.J. is such a fan that he named the character Captain Phasma in the new Star Wars series after the cult horror film Phantasm and kind of uh, made her look like one of the balls, if you think about the way that she looks. Reggie Bannister gave up acting altogether after Phantasm, the ice cream guy, but came back for the 1988 sequel, which is awesome. I'm sure we'll get into that. Nine years between the two movies, and Bannister hadn't done any acting during the time in between. What was he doing during that time, though? He was actually working in a funeral home, oddly enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which I thought was funny. The mansion used for the exterior shots, and I knew I recognized this shit somewhere. The mansion used for the exterior shots um, of the mausoleum was also seen in the James Bond film A View to a Kill in 1985, Roger Moore, and the 70s flick Burnt Offerings. It was a family affair. It was done for dirt cheap. Phantasm was made with the help of the cast and crew's family and friends. For example, Don Don Coscarelli's mom... Kate Coscarelli, a horror novelist, helped with production design and did the makeup for the film. Uh, Don Coscarelli and Reggie Bannister's parents can be seen as extras in the funeral scene, and the dwarves were played by Coscarelli's neighbor's children. Uh, The dwarves also bear a striking resemblance to the Jawas in Star Wars, but the designs for the dwarves were done well before Star Wars was released. Coscarelli originally wanted actual dwarves to play the dwarves, but they weren't nimble enough to do some of the scenes. 
So he decided to give the kids a shot and the kids were able to perform some of the jumping on the backs (laughs) of the characters and shit like that. The ball scenes were done pretty simply. This is all like special effects stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, When the sphere is turning, the sphere was being guided around a corner with the help of a fishing line. On the straight down the hall scenes, the sphere was being thrown from behind the camera, and then the shot was just reversed. Uh, They said that they got like a local baseball pitcher to like throw the ball or some shit. When the ball is attaching itself to the guy's head and the, the blood is like squirting out, it was done by they stuck it on his head and then pulled it off and then printed the shot in reverse kind of thing. So it was very, you know, they had to... This was done on the cheap, so they had to be, you know, very uh, on-the-spot filmmakers. Uh, The stone-looking interior of the mausoleum was actually constructed by plywood and marble-looking plastic contact paper. Mm -mm. (laughs) I could tell. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, I never The minute the movie started, I was like, if they think that that looks like marble, they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I've never noticed that until... But I have respect. They, I think they did a good job with their budget and everything. For sure. Uh, Just a few more here. The coffin that Mike sees the tall man lift by himself and then shove into the hearse was made out of balsa wood, empty and had a rope on the side facing away from the camera to make it easier to handle. Don Costarelli got the idea of the tall man's living severed finger while drinking from a styrofoam cup. He punched his finger through the bottom and started moving it. He loved the the way it looked and the visual effect that it caused and decided to include it in the story. The film was originally rated X by the MPAA because of the famous uh, silver sphere sequence, but not because of the blood and stuff, but because the man falls and then urinates on himself. (laughs) 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 There are several references, which I actually noticed when we watched it the other day, to Frank Herbert's Dune. Have you guys ever read Dune? No. Mm -mm. The bar is named like Silver Dune or something like that, and then Mike's sticking his hand into the box, and he's told not to fear. That's like a... That's like a scene taken. It's on my list of things to. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. <laughs> so that about does it for the fast facts and stuff. Rose, what was your initial reaction to this movie? I actually, I don't want to use the word riveted, <laughs> but I was, even though I was kind of tired when we watched it, cause I mm. wasn't sleeping well and I had just kind of tired from working the last few days in a row. I was still very much into the movie Mm -hmm. and so i really actually dug it more than you probably think i did (laughs) i think i dug it more than kate probably did Mm -hmm. um but i like that sort of dream like Mm -hmm. theme and that i mean i love twin peaks for those some of that same reason i also like that otherworldliness of sort of they only touched on that for a second i wish it would have gone somewhere more but I like that theme too. Mm-hmm. There was a time where Travis was like, and of course Travis has seen this many times, but he said, I just, I don't know why that kid is just, why, why is he following him? Meaning his brother. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's all he has in this world. Like I could relate to the theme. One of the biggest themes in this is death. And our dad passed away a couple of years ago. And not that it's any way the same um, scenario or feelings I wasn't a child like um, Mike is in the movie but I could see how he was trying to process the loss of his parents and all he had left was his brother I said you know and Trav was like hey it's a good point like yeah that is all he has left in this world I would make sense that he's following him around a lot but 
yeah, I, I thought it was well done for what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's uh, a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think that I see why people um, put it in top horror film categories. There's, it's just not to me a masterpiece, probably because I didn't grow up with the nostalgia of watching it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, or like self-discovery, the nostalgia of self-discovering that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Katie, what did you think? <laughs> All right. So Uh-oh. I, as per usual, did no research, didn't know what I was getting into. Or Travis is just like, it's Phantasm, the remastered one. Go watch it. And I was like, okay. So within minutes, uh, well, seconds, really, of <laughs> the first scene, I, I, I text Travis and I say, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> because I had basically gotten past the the scene it opens in this the cemetery or the graveyard Mm -hmm. a woman is laying on top of a man their legs are outstretched be like as if they're laying flat on top of like one on top of the other and Mm -hmm. then they they cut to her (laughs) moaning on top of him sorry gets x-rated really fast guys but anyway i'm Mm -hmm. kidding um but she's on top of him (laughs) cowgirl position Yet they keep cutting to showing their legs flat, like she's lay- planking on him. It makes it's no just, sense. <laughs> and so once I saw that, I was like, "Oh no, this is well, not oh no." I just thought I was going to be in for like a comedy. Uh-huh. I thought it was just going to be <laughs> totally silly. And to be fair, it is very silly throughout. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but there are some like decent kind of kill effects that I, I that they did. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it soon. I was definitely taken on a wild ride. I would say. Like, I didn't have much time to process the silliness of what I just watched before there was new silliness. Mm-hmm. And I watched it with my husband, and he had a blast. Honestly, <laughs> he had probably a more a better time than I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I will say there, there are some little gem moments in here. But um, overall, um, I can tell they spent most of their budget on the music. Because mm-hmm. I did say to Travis when I walked in today, I was like, with well, the score for this, like, as silly as this was, the score was actually pretty damn good. Yeah. Like, I was I like, agree. that. I, I still, re- like, when I hear that theme, I know what it's from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could listen to it, you know. Look yeah. at you recognizing the Phantasm theme now. Mm-hmm. Forever, <laughs> forever in your head. Uh, I think you touched on this. I think this would be, like, a really, really cool movie to, to like, see if you were, like, an early teen or, like, maybe, like, 12 and you stumble upon this and mm-hmm. then watch it like that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Let's get into the plot a little bit. So like you said, it opens up in a graveyard and we're shown the sex scene and we're shown that this tall man can change into this beautiful woman and stuff. Lady in lavender. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I actually thought was kind of weird. Cause it was like, we were watching it and I was like, does he have to make the guy come? Like, can't he just kill the guy? Like as soon as they start banging or, <laughs> or they don't even have to, she already lured him to the cemetery. Like, yeah. Just, just kill him when they show up. <laughs> but the tall man, I guess, you know, he's got to get off too. I guess. And I, I thought about <laughs> this. I'm like, I mean, enough people die. Tall man's got a lot. Like he has to kill people too, but I guess it makes it spookier. But if you, once you've seen the whole thing, you're like, wait a minute, how much of that was Mike heard that this character, what's the guy's name that passed away in the beginning or that was murdered? Oh, their friend, Tommy. Tommy, Yeah. Yeah. He hears that his brother's friend, Tommy is Mm -hmm. dead. 
yeah. by, I think they make it seem like it was a suicide or something. They he don't really go into stabbed it. stabbed himself in the heart. Like, right. Yeah, it his was pants weird. Were, his pants were down in the it cemetery. It was weird. <laughs> um, it was like, okay. And maybe he, this is part of where Mike's imagination takes off because uh-huh. his parents died a couple of years ago and here he is like, here's death again. Yeah. And like, I have complicated feelings about death and just like sort of, is this something that he dreamed up mm-hmm. and then he Which continues it's hard. to yeah. sort of let his imagination or maybe in his dreams, his imagination goes wild. But, and I know people are in the comments are going to be like, uh, you know, it's, it's explained further in the series, but that's the right. point. Like we're, and I didn't even know this was this. a series. So we're I'm just taking is... the first movie, like as it is, as it stands. Exactly. It's hard to not talk about the themes. So plot and themes are kind of like jumbled in this mm-hmm. episode. Like uh, even in the ending, though, when it if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Phantasm, then I don't know what to do for you. But <laughs> even in the end, like when he's like, you realize that it's a dream and he wakes up and Reggie's there and he's like, Jody died and all this other shit. And then the tall man's in the mirror. You're kind of like, what? <laughs> like, what? Well, he did go it upstairs was- like he was going to bed. So was it? Did he just it was a, sleep? Or? It was a very um, Nightmare on Elm Street ending. It Ooh. was. Now, so phantasm basically means like a trick of the mind, like a an imaginary spooky occurrence. like A delusion of a de- the mind. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. is, is any of it real? And then it can't that's be. why the people in the town would be like, where's everybody going? They, they're murdering people like Correct. left and right. And then I'm also thinking like if they made this a series and they continue to go on because Mike isn't in the second movie. Is He's he? not in the second one. He returns for the, the final entries. And I'm just thinking like if this was in his imagination, then how is Reggie moving forward in the series? And he is fighting the same. Well, I should clarify that they didn't. They replaced the actor. Oh yeah, and then the original actor, yeah, Mike is in the second one, so it can the second one kind of I'm sure we'll cover the so second a different one as actor well. plays Mike. a different actor okay. plays Mike, yeah, and then the original Mike returns Michael Baldwin, I believe is his name. We'll have to go. I don't know one. if Kate is down to watch and do a full like, Phantasm <laughs> series, but I kind of am interested in doing that because I want to know what I want to try to put the puzzle pieces together and see what they were thinking. They made it seem like it was supposed to be, you know, this young boy has he's struggling mentally and mm-hmm. he creates this sort of world to try to cope with what's happened because it seems so but, unimaginable that all these horrible things right he would have lose so ga- many people have you guys ever had a dream that just i've had several dreams and maybe it's because i watch too much sci-fi i don't know too much x-files but i've had some especially after dad died i had some really vivid and scary and strange dreams and i think anytime you have something really traumatic in your life happen like that dreams are something that for a lot of people that's where a lot of your fears manifest so i've had some really weird dreams in my life so i can see how like once you view the movie in that scope it it kind of hits a little bit better for me than if I was watching it as if all these things literally happened you know Mm -hmm. so I've had some weird dreams and him being a kid on top of it all like think about how Hollywood framed morticians like Mm -hmm. lurch and like big tall creepy mysterious guy that like crept around and they do mystery things in the night with your 
with the dead and things like that. So, <laughs> like, it makes sense that a ten-year-old, nine-year-old boy or something would. I think he's like. Sort of I think he's twelve. So crazy, yeah, but still adolescent. Yeah, teen, yeah, preteenish, preteen. Yeah, Katie, what do you think about like some of the sci-fi slash fantasy elements, like when they, when Reggie first goes in. I wish you guys could see Kate's face. (laughs) (laughs) When Reggie first sees those little barrels of the little people and how they, he explains how that room is cool as hell. Oh yeah. And the tuner, (laughs) what, what, what is that called on the, on a guitar? The, uh, that he does like the, Oh, a slide. Yeah. 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 So he, he mastered that. So he was the one that kind of put his hands on the two things and then fucked up that other world or whatever. He like opened the portal, right? Like or, that is started. Or closed like, it. So, what did you think about some um, of those elements? Did you find it unique, like something unique that we've haven't really got into a little bit? Yeah, I, I have to say, I don't think I we've watched anything like this mm-hmm. at all yet. I, and I didn't hate it, mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was bad. I just it just every every scene in this movie just made me laugh. You know, there, at no mm-hmm. point it, was I yeah mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know if it was what their intention was. I know they were on a low budget. If there was their intention to make me laugh the whole time, or was I think I think some of it was 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 definitely supposed to be campy because for sure. it is absurd and dreams are absurd. Yeah. So like, well, also some of their choices were absurd. Well, yeah. I, I'll give you two examples. Okay, hit us. You with def- them. I definitely was like, I have to suspend disbelief completely to even watch this without eye rolling the whole time. Mm, but that's not what I mean. So here are some things, for instance, that. <laughs> And I know, again, it was a low budget, but some of these are choices uh-huh. that oh, for sure. could have been done better. So there's a scene where <laughs> Jody and Reggie are playing guitar together and singing a song. Oh, yeah. And it's very long, that scene. Yeah, it is. And it, I'm sitting yeah. there. I still I don't... I feel like it was terrible. I long. No, but... Oh, from, it was like two minutes. But listen, from my, pers- oh. from my perspective, I'm sitting here. At this point in the movie, I still don't know... What the fuck the point is? Like, like, give me a little plot point here. Give me something. But you've spent two minutes showing how they can play guitar and sing together. Uh-huh. Like, come on. That's a choice. I did not like that. <laughs> Literally after that um, scene, I looked at Trav and I was like, well, I mean, I, I'm digging the tunes. But at the same time, I got no idea why this is in the movie it's, at all. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't propel any kind of character development other than that they have a friendship. Right. Um, and the, uh, the guitar thing. Right. The little, that, yeah, the slide. Yeah. To fit that in, which yeah. could have been a shorter scene to do that. <laughs> Reggie's like, we're sweet as love, baby. <laughs> 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 Reggie is awesome. That's who I hope to be. I, oh, I God, want my no. hair to be like that. Like, that's what I'm, that's what my, my goal is. My very first fucking note that I wrote down was this, ha- this guy has the nerve to have a ponytail oh, he's and he's so bald as hell. so cool. Bald-headed ponytail, Fu Manchu. There's oh a lot. Gosh. There's a it's lot a, in he, here. Reggie's Fu- a lot. It's Reggie didn't, Luke. doesn't have the Fu Manchu. That was Tommy. Dude, but anyway. I want to hang out with Reggie so bad. <laughs> but anyway, Kate, hit us with the other one. So the other one is, it's an, it's felt like an editing mistake. I'll tell you mm-hmm. the scene. I'm sure you'll know when I started describing it. Mike is in his garage. He has jacked up his car. He's working underneath the car on mm-hmm. on the car. And I don't know if it's one of the dwarves or the tall man or something. The car falls on him. The jack is pulled out or whatever and it falls on him and he's super skinny so, you know, theoretically he could have survived that. Um and so he's kind of pinned. They're showing him pinned. And then all of a sudden there are shoes. You see like a shot of shoes on the like as if you were Mike looking to the side. Mm-hmm. You see a pair of shoes, and then 
in an in a split second it cuts and all of a sudden he's raising a hammer from underneath the car or some to a tool which is impossible to do if you're pinned underneath it <laughs> and he's smacking a person on the head it turns out to be Jody who and all of a sudden the car is jacked back up and like it's such a jarring edit oh, I you, didn't and, notice that and you he can tell his feet he hit his foot right right but to do that the car jack I encourage you to go back if you have not watched this movie <laughs> Um, recently, go back and watch that scene. You guys should. Yeah, it was weird because he was he looked pinned, but I took it maybe he was on like what, what are those slide boards that you go and maybe he wiggled off the slide board so he no, had no. more room or something. No, but. no. So <laughs> trust me, watch it again. I tr- I rewound it and watched it again because I thought I I was like of all I thought the things it- to get you though, okay, <laughs> that scene is what. No, like, but there's so I'm, many more ridiculous. Things. No, the the ridiculous things made it entertaining. Yeah. I liked those. But these are some things like it seems like that scene was much longer. Like they probably took some footage of someone jacking up the car and him like grabbing the the tool as the car's being jacked up and swinging and hitting the foot and they just cut it out for whatever reason. Maybe mm-hmm. cut some out of the the guitar scene so that you can keep in <laughs> The, the, the logical session. the logical things you need to see in this scene but anyway <laughs> but like those are the kinds of things when i was watching it again i yeah. didn't know anything about it i don't know anything about who made it i didn't i don't know this is like a cult classic or that it's a series nothing and i just turn it on and i'm seeing these like kind of flubby errors mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. b- bad wasteful choices and i'm like oh this is this must be like a kind of a crappy movie travis is trying to make me laugh mm-hmm now that I know a little bit more about it, I'm like, and I know that the budget was super low. I'm like, well, okay, I can put those things aside. I think they still need pointed out because, um, yeah, the yeah, editing, some of the editing is pretty shoddy in this movie. Yeah, like, at times for sure. But like, I'm sure we'll get into this, like the scenes that make this like totally fantastical and um, kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it kind of a thing with not even just horror movies of this era of like the 70s and early 80s? Like, I feel like. I've seen lots of movies from that time where there's like long scenes that mean nothing. <laughs> like the music scene, for example. Like It's almost like they want to show off the talent of one of the actors. Right. That's what uh, I took it to mean. By the end of the movie, I was like, it had to just be like to showcase them so that they could yeah, maybe the, go on to get more work or something. I don't know. I bet Jody had written that song or something and he was like, hey, can we play this song like in the movie? You know, maybe it'll stick or, you know, something like that. I think you are dead on though about the editing and stuff. Like this does it it feels like a community movie and everybody just trying to put something together and Yeah. I found watching it this time, I think it is like probably 10 minutes too long. I think it would benefit from being a little bit shorter. Well, hell, it's only 89 minutes. I think it was like 92 minutes, I believe. If it was like 82 minutes. Three minutes more than what I like just Texas said. Because like Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> That's not a very long movie, I don't feel. I would say cut the fat and mm-hmm. put in more yeah. plot. Yes. More, more things that drive the plot forward or like give you some more context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, because it's very jarring. You, all of a sudden you're, all of a sudden he's an alien. All of a sudden this. <laughs> all of a sudden that. And it's, it is a lot. It's still not clear to me why. And this is something I wish they had done, too. So I got a Stranger Things vibe out of this movie. Yeah. Oh, Stranger Things takes a lot from this kind of stuff. Right. And so that's one of my big notes is I just put Stranger Things in Stranger Things and and a lot of other things that I've seen like this, like current stuff. There's always a character who has a little bit of an opposing view of like what they ought to do next. 
mm-hmm. they'll and they'll actually have the the characters who are the heroes will have a conversation about what we're going to do next. There's one person that's like, we've got to save humanity. And then there's the other person that's like, maybe we just need to back off and just like, we just need to, we need to keep ourselves safe. We need to go and just stay out of this. This isn't our business. And at no point does this happen. All mm-hmm. three of these characters with no discussion are like, let's grab our guns and go fucking kill this thing. And Which they all are, man. So <laughs> let me pose a question. I don't know. Response. It just, Hold on. but they don't have a discussion of why they, why they need to go and do all this. True. This is. From what I gathered, I'm I'm looking at it with the scope that this is, at the end, like all of this is Mike's dream. Does but you don't Mike know view, it until the end. I know, but does Mike view his brother as a hero? He definitely, his imagination made him one. And Reggie was his best friend and was like, I'll do anything Jody says. Because all I saw was a big bug on the back of Mike's back and yet I'm all in on this whole concept. Yeah. I'm not I'm like down to clown with these guys. I actually appreciated the fact that, and I want to hit on this before you move away from it. Like the fact that they actually believe the little kid, like when he brings the finger back and he's like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> and then right. Like you said, Reggie comes in he's like, what the hell is going on? And then he sees that fucking fly. Right. And I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense for this movie and these characters in particular but i'm saying like as you're watching it i'm saying is it could it be logical that these characters would act this way sure but when i'm writing this film if i'm the writing the script i'm gonna add a little bit more depth and a little bit more plot and context for my viewers so -hmm. that they're understanding why these people have decided that they are the ones to handle this yeah, because I don't just... try to report it to anybody. Like this, it's a three-man show. They don't enlist anyone. They don't try to get any authorities involved or <laughs> that, that to, is gra- true. to gather any more information. They go in literally guns blazing. They don't do any recon. They just are like, let's go. <laughs> I thought it was just Mike going there by himself and busting in the window and doing that. Like, remember he busts the window in and he goes in by himself. I was like. That's way too brave for a child to ever do. I will never believe a kid would do that by themselves. Uh, a, little boy, a little boy probably would. By uh, themselves? No, they always get their little friends or something. <laughs> Mike is a fucking bold one. He comes up yeah. riding a dirt bike in a cemetery <laughs> during a funeral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really did, though. And Jody's mess. I don't know. It, it, some of the dialogue in this is pretty funny, too. I just looked down yeah. at my notes and... Uh, before we move on to like the bigger stuff in this film, but I just wanted to point out that Jody says he's talking with his buddy, Tommy's friend. And he's like, I don't know, man, I don't get off on funerals. And I'm sitting here like, I should hope the fuck not. Like, who does? <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> but I mean, that's my thing. And Jody goes and he's with the, the lavender lady, you know, mm-hmm. she catches him at the bar like all these men are just like, yeah, cool. Let's go fuck in the cemetery. Cool, like that. That's for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? I mean, he says it's weird while he's there, but he's like, I'm fitting to get it in, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Then the barkeep just his, like his friend just died in that. In, yeah, true. In the same spot. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, the barkeep's just like, you've run across something that you couldn't handle, boy. Well, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe the tall man moved Tommy's body somewhere else, and who knows. The tall man gets around. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I guess if I'm viewing it from now that I've seen the whole movie, if I'm asking myself why the beginning, the opening scene, the sex scene even exists, like why is this even a thing that Mike thought up? 
well, I guess preteen boys, that's when they do start like thinking about sex. So I wonder if he, that would be like his psyche trying to fit it in. I don't know. I'm just and this is kind of like a boys movie, right? It is. Like there's, yeah. there's like what, three women in it and they're kind of just yeah like friends i can't remember stacy and stacy's mom or something like they run that <laughs> thrift Stacey's shop mom. No, oh friends. speaking of the thrift shop Susie, the, i think Susie. the uh moving picture of the tall man i thought was kind of yeah, cool in the antique shop <laughs> i was like point i like looked over at rose and was just like harry potter fucking ripped this off mm-hmm. yeah you know what they did <laughs> uh rosie do you want to get into the themes i know we touched on that a little bit earlier but so, well, Katie brought up some scenes, so I kind of wanted to talk about a couple scenes first, yeah, give just because they're f- fresh in my mind and while I'm thinking about them. For sure. Give me your favorite scenes and stuff. I really did, and Trav brought this up. We were just chatting before the pod, and the scene where he goes to the psychic, uh-huh. I thought was actually a really <laughs> cool scene, uh, and they don't explain much, but like the old psychic auntie or granny or whoever she is like just sits back and like laughs at the end. But she doesn't say anything or make any moves like the whole time. But she has his, she has him put his hand in that box that just appears on the table. Yeah, that was weird. But I thought that it was interesting that as a child who's grieving and who's looking for answers and trying to cope, that that's where he went. That he went to a psychic. Or he went to like the lady in, in town that does like readings and things like that. I just thought it was an interesting choice. To have, like, that's where he went for answers. I thought it was a really cool scene, though. And I liked that they pulled in the element. I said, when are they going to tie this back in? I was waiting for them to tie it in. And then (laughs) at the end of the chase scene when he's like, don't be afraid. Or what does he say? Don't fear. Don't don't fear. fear. Yeah. I kind of like that. That might be cheesy. But I kind of like cheesy shit. So I liked the don't fear thing. Because there's so many moments in anybody's life when they're, like, trying to fight through uh, any type of mental problems or like an obstacle of any kind in your career or life in general and your you know fear is what sort of stops you from being able to push through it but I thought it was I really liked that scene and I thought it was kind of funny too but Mm -hmm. um I really like the scene where the hearse blows up (laughs) the instant it hits the (laughs) pole I was like (laughs) cars don't do that that was killer (laughs) I mean this is surely not the only movie to like pull that ridiculous effect in but yeah i thought it was hilarious that like he escapes the car and it instantly blows up like the minute it hits the pole but i mean the tall man is in the car driving it mm-hmm. so but yet he's he survives all this and that's like a hollywood thing i remember watching true lies yeah and the fucking van drives off that pier and then hits the water and blows up <laughs> i mean let's Michael Myers survives getting like literally pinned to a tree. Like, uh huh. And so. he's like an alien shapeshifter type yeah. other dimension. So he, yeah, supernatural, but still. Yeah, I think that there's, I can see a lot of influences in other shows and things like that that have pulled from it. But really, one of my favorite scenes was when they go into the white room. I don't know what else to call it mm-hmm. at the mausoleum. I thought that was. Like, I was getting straight X-Files vibes, and I was really feeling it. And I thought that that stuff, like Kate said, cut the little music, little diddle, short, diddle. and add some more I think about... You mean diddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet as love, baby. <laughs> cut the little diddy short, and, you know, show some more of the sci-fi. Like, why would his mind take him... Like, the dwarves and the, the slaves. the dwarves being and... enslaved on, a mist- on, like, a mystery red planet, like... 
one of the creepiest things I I thought was that the the dwarf that was driving the car was it the hearse mm-hmm. when it blew up or no it was the ice cream truck or something and it was Tommy it was their friend Tommy it was their friend like that Tommy. was weird to me that was during the chase scene where Jody and Mike are in the car yeah and yeah, they don't see fucking... anybody driving the hearse and they're firing yeah. at it and then they put Tommy's in dead the dwarf body in the ice cream truck I was like why <laughs> Which, another thing Stranger Things kind of did with the stuffed body or something. Yeah. Remember they stuffed, uh, what's his name's body? Yeah. Like or some turning... shit. I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, what was your some of your favorite scenes in this movie? Um, Rose hit on a couple of mine, but other ones I liked. And Travis, you mentioned this one in the beginning. The kill scene where the silver sphere with spikes on it stabs the the man that was chasing the unnamed man uh, who was chasing Mike or whatever. Yeah. Mike in the beginning through the mausoleum or whatever, that kill scene where, you know, it, it was just, the effects were so like, again, it's kind of silly to watch, but mm-hmm. I thought the pee at the end was a nice touch. I saw it and I was like, <laughs> Oh, that people actually do pee yeah. when they release their bowel and, and everything like when they die. So I just thought that was interesting uh, and And particularly fun. traumatizing for Mike, I think. He looked yeah. even more horrified <laughs> at the bee than the blood spewing out of the guys. So, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I appreciate this. Um, and then another one that kind of made me laugh. All of them made me laugh. But um, So Mike is being chased by the tall man at this point through the funeral home. And he finally gets to somewhere, a cellar maybe? I don't know. But he shuts the door on the tall man's fingers and of course cuts his fingers off and it's like mustard fingers kind of like mustards <laughs> or like yellow goo is coming out instead of blood and that's when you know that he's an alien and he's, he's not like some yeah. kind of paranormal thing and so i think that's a kind of a pivotal moment for you as a viewer you're like all right okay this is sci-fi now mm-hmm. um and i don't know i just thought it was cool if you're an alien that can shapeshift to like look human and you're trying to trick everybody and like be incognito. Would you choose to look like how the tall man looks in this fucking movie? That's my question. If you want people to stay away, yeah, mm, I guess. Yeah, if you want to stay away from creepy keep them out of your business guy. or whatever. But yeah, that's fair. And we're only going on the first movie, so he does look like a beautiful woman too, though. To lure like mm-hmm. like well, yeah. to Katie's point, like but when I'm he wants asking people to why did he, why does he choose his appearance to look like? Uh, the tall guy, the tall man. I think he wants to intimidate people to stay out of his business. Yeah. And then he uses the pretty, beautiful, sexy woman when he wants to lure them in to turn them into s- slaves. Like, <laughs> that's really what they were doing for anyone who's mm-hmm. gotten this far. You didn't watch it. Oh, for sure. And and like I said, like that some some of his origins is explained like uh in other movies, but we are not gonna We'll tackle that when we get to <laughs> it. Trav's like <laughs> No, it's like it's not that like crazy, but yeah, for sure. There's a there's a reason why he's and and it kind of got into that. Like, uh, I guess I can just go into it, but it's not that. Like, they show you a picture in this movie of I think his name was Jebediah Morningstar way back in the 1700s or something. Like in that picture that moves. Oh yeah. So that guy was like obsessed with death or something and goes to finds a way to go somewhere else. And, and then, then Morningstar is right. like, isn't that the name of the the devil? Yeah, that's well, another name for the devil, yeah. And what well, what's the name of the cemetery again? At Morningstar. Yeah, that's why I yeah. thought yeah, the name of yeah. the cemetery too. So not to get into the other sequels too much, but cuz I do want to cover those, but 
Yeah. Travis, what are some of your favorite scenes? I, I really, really like the car chase scenes and stuff in this movie. And uh, one of fun. the, yeah. So during uh, when the hearse is chasing him with that dwarf, like you guys, uh, that Tommy dwarf, um, there's actually Don Cascarelli actually talks about how they got those shots of them shooting the shotgun at the other car. And what how they did it was Don was actually in the trunk of the car setting up with a camera with like something blocking his face and they were shooting blanks with that shotgun, like real blanks. Now what they didn't tell them is that even with your, when you're shooting blanks, like it does fire out like debris and stuff that's inside the shotgun. So Don Coscarelli actually like caught his, like caught his face on fire, like during that scene. Yeah. (laughs) But that's why, like, I, I love a lot of those shots and stuff. There's just like a real homemade quality about it and like legit look about the shotgun firing and stuff. And that's why I love like all the, the otherworldly scenes. Like when Reggie goes into the white room and sees those canisters with the drawers and then he sees that other realm or planet. Uh, It doesn't give you the answers in this movie, but we see those dwarves and he says like they're slaves or, or Michael says they're slaves and they shrink them down and stuff like that. Like I, of, I love all those world because of the planets uh, atmosphere. And, yeah. And, and it's like a like hot planet gravity, or some yeah. shit. And um, I thought the touch of the tall man, because it being like a, cause you remember when they go in and they come out, they're like steaming and shit. So the the touch of the tall man walking by Reggie's ice cream truck, and he's just like, <laughs> and he looks like <laughs> in uh, front of the shops, yeah, like kind of like why the fuck would anybody want ice cream kind of thing, <laughs> and then he like walks away again. <laughs> that scene was kind of funny. I was yeah. I was laughing. Yeah, look like you're on to something. Look like you're trying to figure something out, and he went over. There by the way, not way. to like re- like get too into Reggie. But, like, I do think it's awesome that the hero of the movie is, like, an ice cream truck driver. Like, one of the heroes <laughs> of the movie is an ice cream truck driver. That's in a band. And the continuing hero. <laughs> yeah, and he's, like, a hippie. and has a, <laughs> But he's a continuing hero, too. Like, all the mm. way through the last film, mm. which is fucking awesome. Um, keep the ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I want that fucking hair. Shut I'm going to rock that hair in my God, 40s, no. baby. No, like, when I start balding, I'm going to rock in that hair. You are not. No. You yeah, are not. Sure. So I think like we covered the themes pretty well in the beginning. Like yeah, I think uh, Rose I made think... it made it sound a lot deeper than it comes off <laughs> well, well, on I first watch. Yeah. I think it's deeper than people like because it's so goofy. I think it distracts people from its like deeper meanings. But like I think that the tall man represents death, and so it's kind of looming over and constantly following Mike. And mm-hmm. with his parents dying and then his brother dying in a car accident, it makes sense that he would kind of view it that way. I really liked just the relationship between Mike and Jody. It was almost like his in his imagination, he had one more, you know, they went through their parents' death together. They got through that. It was like, we fought through such a harrowing experience. And then here we are on another adventure. Like, it just, it made me feel for Mike's character. And then in the end, when you find out that Jody, well, arguably, you find out that Jody died. Right. Like that, I, I felt like that scene when Reggie's like explaining to him that it's just like him and Mike and like maybe they should go on the road like yeah. for a little bit or something and get away and that he's going to do the best he can to 
fill in that spot for Jody and yeah. stuff like that. I was like, that's, that's cool. That's a good friend. But... And that's kind of what the second one is about, by the way, of is, is them going on the road and finding other places that this tall man has like kind of made that's, home. That's where I was at the end. I was like, what do I believe? Like, what am I buying into? Am I, am I buying into that? This is all a dream. Like it, when Mike walks into his room, you see a prescription, a prescription pill bottle, um, sitting on his table. So mm-hmm. I thought that they were like trying to imply that he was, you know, just troubled from all of the things that he's been through. For sure. And there's but that line obviously of... there's sequels and it makes me think that some of it must have actually happened. Well, and I don't but... think the sequels were planned to be fair. Like yeah. I think a lot of, I mean, you just look at the, you, you just look at the time between part one and two, it's like nine years or 10 yeah. years, like 88 and 79. Uh, I think that this was meant to be just like a, kind of a, like a trippy 70s, yeah. uh, like a little horror flick kind of thing. Yeah, I think they could have gone further with the sci-fi element, but I also feel like could a kid his age really come up with even even dream such a wild dream? I don't remember if my I remember vividly as like a later teen and now into my 20s, like having pretty crazy dreams but well think about all the sci-fi i would have been able to come up with some of the stuff he did like i don't know what were you guys reading at like age 12 though harry potter like i read ray bradbury that's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite authors but i wasn't i I didn't read a ton of sci-fi i I read read a lot lot of fantasy and um Mm -hmm. i read a lot of fantasy fantasy um of course harry potter but i also read a lot of uh like john steinbeck and Mom gave me, I was a big bookworm. Mom gave me like Watchers and mm-hmm. a, like I did read a lot of kind of creepy books mm-hmm. too. Like a couple Clyde Barker books are mm-hmm. yeah, floating around in my house somewhere. Like I read enough weird stuff. I probably got to come up with something like that at that age. And I mean, Hollywood at that time, like you can tell there's other influences. So if you are a kid who's watched movies I could see him pulling some of that stuff in mm-hmm. to his sort of imagination. But yeah, I wasn't sure what I, I was like, do I buy? I, now I feel if I'm watching this as a standalone movie, I'm buying fully into like, this is him trying to cope with what's what he's been through mm-hmm. and what's been taken from him. But if I'm watching it and I'm now I know that there's <laughs> several more, there's an element of real there. And I just am like excited to see how they, expose that this really some of this really did happen like Mm. reggie coming to that realization that it wasn't just mike dreaming but i went through something too or something i'm curious to see where it goes but kate i don't think is curious (laughs) to see where it goes um since you kind of wrapped up your feelings on it do you want to give it a rating before i give sure yeah i would give this i wanted to say like at first i was like "Mm, i'll probably give this a three but i'm gonna go ahead and give it a three and a half out of five i think it could it there's definitely like kate mentioned there's a lot they could have done a little bit better but Mm -hmm. i i did enjoy it and i was into it the whole time so i can't put too much stank on it Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh for sure um all right so i watched this movie thinking it was a standalone i didn't know that there were any more Mm -hmm. to it um and i took the ending to be that because of the way they then sort of flash the tall man or whatever they did at the end to indicate to you that oh but it could be real um i took it as like this stuff really happened and then 
the most of the movie is actually his like PTSD dream from mm-hmm. it. And he wakes up and Reggie's like, uh, cause they, do they ever say how Jody died? A uh, car crash or I something. I can see what you're saying. Like it happened and then this is yeah. months later and maybe so, Jody Because he could have, he could have died in, yeah. in one of the car crashes and they're, this maybe that's was happening. Maybe that's explain it, Kate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's kind of how I took it. But I will say like all in all, this was a fun watch. I don't regret the time I spent watching it, which yeah. like I have with some movies. Trav's movies? Um, <laughs> I don't know if there have been any yet. Maybe Angel Heart is like borderline. I was hey. a huge fan of Angel She's going to regret the next couple weeks for sure. You and Cricket. Uh, I know that um, he's going to make me watch Cannibal Corp. Well, no, not. What is it? Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. Um, yeah. And I'm not excited about that at all. But anyway. Uh, right up there, baby. The poster. <laughs> Holocausto kind of ball. Um, <laughs> But all in all, like I said, I I didn't regret it. If I if I were to recommend how and when to watch this movie, I wouldn't say just like on your own on a Thursday night after work like I did. <laughs> She's like with drugs. Um, I yeah, I suggest like be with a group of friends who appreciates like a silly movie and who can also kind of appreciate what goes into um, the effects that they did in this movie i feel like some of the mm-hmm. effects like as again silly is like my main takeaway like word i just keep repeating it over and over again but as as silly as they look um you can appreciate the work that goes into to making them so like find somebody who can appreciate film in that way but is also down for a good time drink some beers i don't know smoke some weed that probably make it better <laughs> and that's that i think it would be a good time but i would say i'd give it maybe like um I'd say three out of five, mid, middle of the road. If I'm entertained from start to finish, I I can give any movie a three. Could you imagine like in 1980 or 81, like smoking weed and like watching this? <laughs> <laughs> like when he cuts his I'm fingers sure that's off. That's how most of the audience yeah. watched this movie. <laughs> like when he's cutting his fingers off and the yellow <laughs> shit comes out, you're just like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> I would give this a four out of five. Like uh, it's not my favorite of the series, but it, I, I think it is like a classic 70s horror movie. Um, I think you enjoyed watching me watch it yeah, as much as yeah. you did watching um, it. Full, full disclosure, my sec- the second one is my favorite of the series, but I really, really do like this movie a lot. Uh, I think it's very charming and you know there's like a ha- homemade quality about it and stuff yeah. that I think really resonates. I love the theme of this movie like quite a bit. Um, I like a lot of other... Don Coscarelli projects like Don Coscarelli is a guy whose name you need to know and you need to seek out his other stuff like Bubba Hotep and where Elvis is battling mummies and like all this other shit. He Mm -hmm. fakes his death and then there's like a black JFK and like or a dude who's got JFK's brain in his body or something like it's just so (laughs) weird. Another Lansdale tale. But yeah, this movie's like uh, this movie's must see like you got to experience it. And uh, I'm glad that I had you guys on to do this episode, so thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited for the second one. So yeah, I have here. a uh, the book recommendation is our first nonfiction book of the of the pod, and it's by Don Coscarelli, and it's True Indie: uh, Life and Death in Filmmaking. Just a little brief little note about it. Uh, best known for his sci-fi fantasy films, including Phantasm, The Beastmaster, Bubba Hotep, and John Dies at the End. Don Cascarelli now takes you through on a white knuckle ride through the rough and tumble world of indie film. I won't read the whole thing, but you kind of get the gist. It's like him explaining his career and like 
kind of like a guide to getting into film. So like all the people that are listening that want to get into film or writing film or are interested in making their own stuff, like this would be a really, really good book to dive into. Um, it's very, very highly rated. I'm into like page, I'm only into like page 60 of it, but yeah, it's like really, really cool how he breaks it all down for you and his interests and how it all came about. But that's the recommendation this week. As always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Horrifying My Friends and Twitter at Horrifying MF. Shoot me a line at Travis Ibarra, uh, you know, on any of those apps or anything, or email us at horrifymyfriends at gmail.com. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us, and be sure to look out for part two of the Phantasm series. Bye. Later. See ya. friends.